welcome to the 10th episode of Concert Pipeline. Uh, we have a special episode of Concert Pipeline for you today. Uh, it's uh, really a fun show, and we have a lot packed into this show, so um, we're going to get straight to it. Before we do, uh, make sure to uh, follow us on Twitter, at Concert Pipeline, um, and subscribe to the show, tell your friends, uh, uh, all of that. So let's get straight to it. Uh, we're going to introduce a co-host that we have for the show, and his name is Joe Wilson. Joe, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Hello! Hello out there in the podcasting world. Uh, my name is, in fact, Joe Wilson. Uh, I used to host a television show with Steve Jones 10 years ago on Napa Cable Access. Uh, it was called uh, Stage Right. It was the subsequent show after Stage Left. Um, it was short-lived, but it was glorious. Uh, we, had a, we had a legion of fans, and uh, then I departed moved to San Diego, and the show went away. Uh, so this has been this has been ten years in the making. We've been uh, waiting to reunite. Here we are. Ten years ago, actually two weeks ago. It, That's right. It's pretty exact to ten years ago. Kind of so kind of crazy. Kind of crazy bit how it worked out. As it is, but. Yeah. Well, hopefully not the the last or the first the first of many. I hope. Yeah. So. Should, should be a good time. So, uh, so tell us a little bit with the old show. Um, what we're uh, we like you said we, it was short lived, but we did some uh, good shows. We had some fun. What were we had a great time. So yeah. So what I think. So the origin of the show was we started working together at In-N-Out Burger. Uh, we were we were working there with a, a friend of ours, a mutual friend, Chris McDermott. <clears throat> and uh, you were telling me I was asked I was just getting to know you, and you were telling me that you did this show for cable access, and I thought that was fascinating and weird because I didn't know anybody who'd done anything like that. And I had actually I'd been to the studios when I was much younger and recorded something for 4H, which I'm sure they're still airing. It's probably on right now, actually. Uh, it was a skit that I participated in as part of my club, my Hollow 4-H club, represent. And uh, I, I thought that was really interesting. And then you told me that you did, you covered music. And I said, that's really cool. Who's your favorite band? And you looked me dead in the eye and you said, you said without, without pause or hesitation, Smash Mouth. Smash Mouth is the best band I've ever heard. And I was, you would bring that up. I was <laughs> flabbergasted. I said, how can a person who does a TV or who does a TV show talking about music, not like music. <laughs> How is this possible? And uh, we, we decided to educate you uh, in, the, in the ways of, of rock. And, uh, you know, what we were into at the time, which was I was into um, kind of the I, liked the, I liked a couple different emo bands. Uh, I was never emo myself. But, uh, and I, I always loved classic rock and roll. And uh, a little bit, you know, a little bit of a mix of different things. But, it was really just about uh, exposing you to non-corporate music, ba- you know, bands that were not what you hear on Alice in 97.3, which was your favorite station, and kind of getting you getting your feet wet and push. Well, we really pushed you into the deep end because we. What was the first show we did together? The first show we did was the Juliana Theory. That's right. We went to the Juliana Theory with uh, some, something, something corporate, corporate. Uh, at the Fillmore, and we. I really liked something corporate a lot. I still do. Uh, it's certainly, it's definitely a, uh, a band that's, I don't, it's not really in my music rotation anymore, but I, I stayed a fan as did you over the years of Andrew McMahon and his music and his evolution as he grew as a musician. Uh, we actually saw a show together a year ago in LA. Uh, it was a solo. It was, it was his tour for his solo work and we heard a couple new tracks and it was fun. We went to the Viper Room. It's actually where Joaquin Phoenix's brother, River Phoenix, died of a speedball on the sidewalk. So 
that's what I think every time I think of the, the, the Viper Room. I think of uh, how tragic it is that he died there, but also uh, that I got to see a really good show there with my friend Steve. You drove from Disneyland, I think. They were from Northern California, spent the day at Disneyland, right. uh, and then came uh, to join you guys out for the show. You're a machine. I don't, know how you, I don't know how you do it. I I was I was in the car today for 30 minutes driving here, and I was exhausted. But I happened to be in the area, and you happened to have extra tickets. It was kind of like a sign. You know? Yeah, it worked out. It was nice. It was good. And, and not to mention that this was a band that I, like, really, really emphasized when we first started hanging out. I said, check this guy out. He's a really talented singer-songwriter and, and musician and uh, uh, one, of the, one of the guys I really enjoy listening to still to this day, like I said, so... Uh, that was that was kind of the origins of us first hanging out. We went to that show and we decided that I, I so being the 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 douchey little brat that I was, I watched your TV show and I was like, I can do better than that. Uh, you had a you had a host at the time was a really sweet girl. It's a good friend of yours, and uh, I was I was hypercritical of the situation because I felt like I felt like you could bring uh, I felt like you could bring a better flavor of music. And something that would uh, attract people. And then we started getting all these ideas and we started doing local bands. We had uh, Spooky Bonus, uh, which was a show I'll never forget. Uh, we had a couple other performances. Who else do we have? Darkest Day of Horror. The Darkest Day of Horror known. the world has ever known. Uh, I remember them. They were, they were also great. Once Over. Once Over, which I don't know if I was there for that show. It might have been after your time. I think it was after my time. Yeah, I think I departed at that point for Greener Pastures. Uh, of the San Diego area, so yeah, that was uh, that was pretty much the origins of us hanging out. Though, is we worked together and uh, we were music nerds, but in totally different categories of music. And I uh, decided that I wanted to uh, show you the way of rock. And I appreciate it. I yeah. just, it's what I needed. Really, yeah, so. you did. You needed it. You needed a <laughs> kick in the pants. I couldn't. I couldn't believe that Smash Mouth was your favorite band. I will say this: the performance I saw of you karaoke. Oh no. Yeah, oh yeah. I think we should actually put that on the show. Doesn't uh, exist. Oh yeah, it's been destroyed. All but one copy. You have a master copy. No. You do. Yeah, absolutely. I know you do. I don't think yeah, so. You do? It's somewhere. I know it's. I, it exists. But there's a Steve at the Napa Town and Country Fair was in the karaoke contest and sang All Star like like nobody's business like he was freddie fucking mercury and it was it was magical i uh i couldn't believe the energy the, the presence he got the crowd pumped uh i don't think you hit a single note but it didn't matter because you were rocking so hard if i did it was accidental yeah well yeah it certainly didn't sound intentional i'll put it that way but uh I was I uh, I always thought that it was really neat that you had this this really unbridled passion for music that uh, is is a lot of people say oh I like music or oh, I like this band and then there's music nerds but there aren't people who are willing to put themselves out there and and just kind of talk about it you know and that's part of what was so fun about the show we did it when we were younger and that's part of why I was like, so excited that you were launching this podcast again reviving it and taking it from the top and I wanted to be a part of it I wanted to to be here to uh, enjoy uh, music again with a good friend of mine, and and also just to to really uh, make sure that you were going to appropriate programs and shows and covering good music. <laughs> As, and what was the band that you uh, asked to interview? Um, was it Taking Back Sunday that I asked for, to interview for this? For uh, this? For the? Oh, uh, I don't recall. Who was it? The Toasters. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, the Toasters, which we are doing next week. Uh, but that's another story. We got to plug that later. But yeah, the toaster. I mean, I was when you, we were looking at bands. I think that were coming through the area. We talked about how there's not really that many good shows. And then you mentioned that the toasters, who we had seen with Rubik Fish, who we did an interview with, 
back in the day for the old TV show, uh, were coming through uh, the area, and I said, let's do it. And you said, okay, and you made it happen because that's what you do. You're, you're, uh, you're networked and you're persistent, which is two things that I think are essential to success, especially for something that you're passionate about as a hobby. So a lot of people I don't think have the same drive that you do, and uh, I think it's admirable. And uh, that's part of why I'm here too is because I – you know, I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to help. I wanted to be do what I do what I could, and offer. I, I wouldn't say that I have a gift, but I, I certainly have a voice, and uh, I can use it. So I figured I would offer that that much as collateral. So, um, yeah, happy to be here. Happy to uh, happy to be back on the show. Uh, although it's not the the show, I was never on Concert Pipeline. So although, but you did cameras uh, down at Street Scene. I did. I did do cameras at Street Scene. Actually, I'd say, I think I did a few interviews at Street Scene too. You did, and one of them, the mic was off. That was good. That's right. That was the best one. Another story. You couldn't, story hear, for another. couldn't hear a damn thing I was saying, which is how it should be most of the time. That was that the the rap art, the hip hop artists. That was Morningwood. More. Oh yeah, Morningwood. Yeah, I remember them. Yeah, they were great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Morningwood. Uh, she's actually uh, backing vocals on Juliet's new uh, album that she's working. Oh, on. Oh, Juliet Lewis. She wouldn't. Yeah, they're, they're working together now. Juliet and the in the licks. It, not the licks anymore just Julia Lewis just Julia Lewis she has she was she had such a big following with the first band she needed a side project for the second band something which, like that <laughs> right you're, you're gonna be at all the shows anyway so yeah uh, okay so what's this music uh, music news that you're talking about here yeah, I heard something about music news cue yeah. music yeah let's do some music news alright So the first story in music news has to do with Stone Temple Pilots and Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park. Um, organizers of the Soundwave Festival, a touring festival in Australia, have announced that uh, the band has uh, canceled their appearance at the festival as well as all upcoming shows. Aww. I know, too bad, huh? They, uh, they originally posted the message on their website saying, Stone Temple Pilots regretfully cancel all upcoming shows. The recording of the new album has now gone beyond schedule, and sadly, the availability of the recording studio, engineers, and the producer, or lack thereof, dictates that the band have had to cancel their upcoming engagements. Um, and later updated it to, due to a scheduling conflict, uh, STP with Chester Bennington regretfully has been forced to cancel all tour dates. So. Right. Well, I mean, who, be the, uh, who really cares about the Stone Temple Pilots minus Scott Weiland? Weiland, Weiland, Weiland. And that's the thing, right? I mean, people really like Stone Temple Pilots, or people really like Lincoln Park. They, they both have really, you know, their own really strong big fan crowds. bases. Yeah. And I saw them, uh, Stone Temple Pilots with Chester this past summer, a big surprise act at a radio station concert in the Bay, and um, and they played all the old Stone Temple, Stone Temple Pilots hits, so everybody knew the songs, mm-hmm. but. Um, but no one really sang along, or yeah. got into it. There wasn't that energy. That yeah, and I think I think that I think that that energy is is a result of uh, you know the stuff that the that the Stone Temple Pilots did together. I want to say they had five, maybe six studio albums together, and they were together forever. Uh, I mean, all through the '90s, they were a big deal. And uh, losing losing their you know <clears throat> through all their problems in drug addiction and all the things that they had to go through to produce the music they had made them a stronger band for it. Replacing their frontman with a frontman from another band. Might as well just be a new band. Might, might as well. Why call yourselves the Stone Temple Pilots? You know. Again, it was. It's probably to generate ticket sales and, and tap into the the reservoir of, of old school hardcore STP fans. But it's it feels disingenuous to to market it as the Stone Temple Pilots with a, a frontman like Chester Bennington, who is truly nothing like Scott Weiland. I mean, really, just a totally different 
uh, breed of musician, a totally different um, entertainer. So I, I don't know. You saw them. I mean, what did you think? It was fine. I mean, it was, but it was ready to get on to uh, the next band or, uh, that came up. <laughs> Five minutes in, you were like, great. Um, so yeah, so I think that, uh, you know, I think that moving moving forward and them not doing their thing and canceling their, their tour dates and uh, not being able to release the album on time, I think it's indicative of the fact that they're not really meant to uh, produce music together. It's an unholy alliance and it must be stopped. And maybe that's what happened. <laughs> maybe, yeah. God struck it down. So you have uh, the next story, Joe. Right. Uh, Gene Simmons is uh, to guest star on CSI. Um, so the Kiss bassist and, uh, and famous uh, frontman Gene Simmons uh, will uh, guest guitar- will he'll guest star as himself on an upcoming episode of the CBS series CSI Crime Scene Investigation. Uh, this is according to The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, they said that they were really excited to have him uh, co-starring on CSI and playing himself in a rock and roll themed murder mystery. You know, I, I got to tell you. I just don't – I can't get into the CSI thing. I don't understand it. I got I got it when I saw it 15 years ago when the first CSI premiered. And then it just – it feels like every episode has been a rehash of the exact same stories over and over again. And integrating rock and roll stars or other famous celebrities to kind of fluff up It's a reality show now, right? Yeah, it really – I mean it basically feels like it. Yeah, Gene Simmons is uh, – what was his reality show called? Oh, Brass balls or something? Uh, I can't remember. I know that he had a, he did have a reality show that was like pretty bad. Yeah. It was pretty bad. So must like most reality shows, yeah. unwatchable really. So he, uh, yeah, he. I, I I can get why they try to tap into those fans. I just feel like it's again. It's like what are you what are you doing? You know, you're a rock and roll guy. Go out and rock. Go out and do shows. Sign sign stuff for fans. You know, this is a quick. It's kind of a cash grab. It feels like, and it's it's just gross. He's not an actor. It's not like he's going to do a good job. You I think a lot I mean? of shows have run out of ideas and people, I mean, that still has its audience, I so, guess. So, so I have a simple solution. Stop being lazy and get a new get new shows. Cancel the shows. It doesn't matter if the ratings are there, if the show isn't interesting or fun to watch and people follow it as part of their routine and there's still there's still this weird obsession with the crime scene, the crime scene investigation programming, but I I can't can't you know, I'm not gonna I'm not down with it I won't do it I can't watch it I I'll admit I watched 48 hours and stuff when when those come around sometimes. yeah but 48 hours is a real it, it, that covers real stories that's totally different I'll watch that because it's real CSI is I mean don't sometimes like they base it off of real stories they have but it's still it's actors that's I mean it's the 48 yeah. hours story is, is something real it's like wow this is fascinating because this is how it actually unfolded the CSI is all on yeah. paper so it's for me it's not as interesting so i uh i'm i'm not looking forward to seeing gene, Sim- gene simmons uh, guest star in csi i think it's i think it's silly you know stick with what you do man you're a rock and roll rock and roll star no one wants to see gene simmons star in a movie you know are yeah. we are we there yet for with gene simmons put on the kiss makeup and go out there play some shows exactly and get your, do what you're there to do right? yeah do 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 your famous tongue act and that's what matters you know this other stuff is just like it's all it's filler it's fluff have you seen Kiss? Live? Never. I saw him with Aerosmith. Oh, God. When they were uh, d- uh, touring behind their Honkin' on Bobo album. What was it like, uh, what was it like seeing a band full of, uh, of mummy, zombie-like creatures? You talking about Aerosmith or Kiss? They're both. They're both. <laughs> I mean, they're both preserved. I think that Gene Simmons, actually, his face is actually, it's like the Joker. His face is actually that color, and then he wears flesh-colored makeup over that he got that tattooed back in the 70s and he's been covering it up ever since and uh i mean i can't stand aerosmith i just can't yeah aerosmith is other than walk this way uh they're just there's nothing about him i like 
Yeah. Steve Tyler's a total tool. Wasn't a fan of Aerosmith's, uh, their blues stuff so much. Um, because they called it blues yeah. and it wasn't blues at yeah. all. There was nothing blues about it. It was just them. It was old, lame white guys trying to play the blues. It was bad. It wasn't yeah. good. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a, I love classic rock and I, I certainly think, I, th- I think there's something to be said for Aerosmith and what they did for music because they were, they were, icon- they are rock icons. But, you know, I would say ever since, uh, like get a grip like the early 90s it was just ugh, what you know the run dmc thing was cool too uh rehashing a hit that they'd had 15 years earlier but they're they're t- it's a tired act and I, yeah. I can't hate on guys hustling and doing what they do you know i mean you know it's like if the beatles were still around they'd still be playing the same 10 songs it's just like the rolling stones who tour forever and never stop they still play the hits Aerosmith just push play exactly like walk this way exactly I mean they just it's but that's that's the problem is that they've now they've become so tired and old it's like okay you should stop rocking now it's not you guys don't rock anymore now you're you're lame you're lame shadows of your former selves so let's move on and do something different with our time you know again it's their it's their bread and butter and I was just saying Gene Simmons should stick to rocking since that's what he knows how to do I'm still saying that Aerosmith should stick to rocking too, but like sit down and write some new music, put together some real new material. If uh, you know, if Keith Richards in in and these other guys are just going to keep playing the same stuff they've been playing forever, you know, give up, give up and go home, you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, you wanted to talk about the Grammys too, right? Yeah, I think that uh, you know the Grammys this year, the Grammys every year, are always kind of more and more subsequently depressing uh, as the previous year. I was. I was really excited uh, a few years ago. They named album of the year was uh, Arcade Fire, you know, a band I really, really like. And I thought that was great. And it was good for them to kind of get that recognition. But, you know, I also realized that the Grammys are kind of, uh, it's not like the Emmys. Like, it's it's almost like it's totally for show. There's nothing like, uh, what, am I, what, am I, what am I trying to say here? I feel like the Grammys are a dime a dozen. I feel like most of them don't actually recognize the musicians who have earned the the the, the epaulets that come with that uh, title and that reward. And I feel like as a result, the it's an empty song and dance routine. You know, it's an empty show. There was Katy Perry, you know, and and uh, Lord and all these all these big big acts, and and they did these huge performances. And uh, I didn't feel like any of them were really that impressive. I felt like it was all kind of, you know, empty. it just didn't feel uh, there was no real positive energy. It didn't feel like good energy. You know, I think uh, one one of a band we saw together a long time ago, Cowboy Mouth, once said, "All you need is live." Well, in this case, it felt like I was watching recordings of these people and these really over the top performances that weren't that impressive. You know, so I mean, I'm a hater though. It's tough for me. It's tough for me to be impressed when a band doesn't sound good live, and then when I see Lord singing with Auto Tune live, it's like, is she really performing right now, or is that just the the mixer? You know? Yeah. And so. and they've gone through periods where they their ratings have gone really down, and so right. that's why they they cut out almost all of their awards that are shown on this uh, show. Right. They really truncated it down and turned it more into a performance based program as opposed to awards flying out left and right. Now, part of the—I mean, there was some a little bit of controversy where Trent Reznor um, was pissed off uh, because they he had performed with Dave Grohl right. um, and some other people. I right. forget exactly who. Trent Reznor of the Nine Inch Nails, Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters and Nirvana, and so and uh, and it was the show-ending performance because it was a big uh, a lot of superstars at the same time, mm-hmm. but. 
but the show was running long and they had to cut it and go to a commercial so they cut in the performance and right. Trent Reznor probably yes. not too happy yeah he's already a prima donna I, yeah. I admire Trent Reznor and uh, you know he also has a, a long story musical career and he's done lots he's been in the game forever and uh, no one can take away from the fact that industrial you know metal and, and rock and roll really benefited from the Nine Inch Nails sound and uh, and he and he has a, quite the legacy, but again, it's you know these guys are selling out to to do these shows. You know, I won't say Dave Grohl did because I think Dave Grohl has always had his finger on the pulse. He's been around since '91. He really hasn't gone anywhere. He's always been in a band that's been near the top of the charts. He's always been performing and touring. You know, Trent Reznor with Nine Inch Nails certainly stayed popular for a long time, but had his kind of uh, select demographic. His fans were who they were, and they identified themselves as Nine Inch Nails fans, usually gothy. Oh yeah. And they're having him come on the Grammys now that he's old and tired. Is just it's taking away from all that stuff. Twenty years ago, if if Trent Reznor today could face twenty years ago Trent Reznor, I think he'd be pissed off. He'd be oh, like, no, "Who no, are no. you, man?" Yeah, he'd 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 ask himself, "What are you doing?" And uh, I I don't know what it's like. To battle back from any sort of serious drug addiction so I'm sure that changes your paradigm when you're sober whereas 20 years ago he was a serious heroin addict so I don't know I don't know if that's the journey is what's changed him um, over time or he's just really just old and tired and has sold out but you know the controversy surrounding them getting cut off let's be honest how many people legitimately watching the Grammys actually knew who those guys were because I'll tell you right now everybody at my job was talking about the Grammys and Nobody there could tell you who Trent Reznor was. Not a single person. Wow. So, so I think most of the population, most people don't know who that is. You know, most people I think recognize Dave Grohl, but don't know who he is or what he's done or where he's been. So, the, having this super band, this weird thing where they just cram more and more of these famous musicians who are all really talented in their own right, just to 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 be just to do it. It's just it feels fake. It doesn't feel good. You know, and. Um, I think it's unfortunate. I think that the Grammys could be something meaningful again someday, but as it is, it's not in its current uh, incarnation. It's just, yeah, like you said, it's a it's a ratings boost too. They're really just looking to kind of grab that the ratings because they want to sell ad time. So that's how it goes. That's music industry though, right? It's, it's selling out. Yeah. And I don't pay their bills. I can't hate on that. I'm not paying that guy's bills. So I can't hate on actually selling out and getting work, but I can certainly say that the integrity of, of your creations over the past and things that you represented are violated when you do things like that. So, yeah, to be expected. It is what it is, right? It is what it is. So let's uh, move on. Um, let's talk about um, Bad Things uh, album review. Now, uh, Bad Things is a band that's uh, a really new band, but they uh, got signed, and there's a couple of people in the band that uh, that I've interviewed before in the past, so it kind of uh, interests me a little bit, and uh, I thought I'd give it a listen. Um, so they have a new album out. Uh, that, uh, let's start with who in the who's in the band that um, is kind of notable. Um, Sean White. Uh, yes, Sean White. Is uh, there anything Sean White can't do? I no. mean, come on. It's a question it's, I've been asking ever since I learned who Sean White was. What, he was uh, 18 or 19 years old when the Olympic gold medal as a uh, as a snowboarder. Um, created a gum flavor, which is delicious. Delicious. I don't know what it's called. I, I tried it once. I don't know. I wasn't. There. You tried it last week. I had it with me. It's a brand. That's my brand. Not, well, actually, it's because I know Sean White personally personally created that flavor. I know that was him. Yeah, the one it, with the clothes. It tastes Teddy minty has, fresh right? like uh-huh. Sean White. That's what I imagine he tastes like. Minty delicious. Uh, yeah, he's, 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 is there anything he can't do? Now he's in this band. What, is it, what instrument does he play, you know? He's the uh, lead guitarist. The lead guitarist. Does he sing at all? Any vocal work? I think he does some backup vocals. Okay. 
All right. I listened to it, too. You sent me the link a week ago, and uh, I gave it a listen. I, I only did it once through, but um, I, it wasn't terrible. It's not really my cup of tea, but, you know, certainly it's cool that this guy's pursuing his own musical interests. Like I said, I mean, what else is there to do when you're you're an, an international celebrity at 19 years old except for just keep climbing the mountain upward, right? Yeah. A lot of people would say that there's nowhere to go but down, but this guy also... He enabled himself to do all these things he wants to do. And hell, if he wants to do rock and roll, he can do rock and roll. Who's going to stop him, right? No one can stop him. He's unstoppable. Yeah. Sean White is a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. So and what did you think of the album? I'll, I'll kind of agree with you. You know, I mean, it was it was listenable. I don't know how much I was expecting from it, but um, but it was definitely you know, something I could listen to probably again, not something I'd probably seek out. Sure. Uh, the other person who I'd interviewed from the band was Jared. He was the uh, bassist, and he was the bassist in uh, Augustana right. um, before he split away from... Uh, what, uh, what, were, what were Augustana's hits again? Remind me. Their big radio hit was Boston. Boston, that's it. They, they had a couple of other small ones as well, but, um, but they're a band I liked, and actually... That's the one that started out with the piano, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Augustana was good. I, I I liked their sound. They weren't they weren't like my favorite band ever, but they were they were good. I had that album. You sent it, you sent me a copy of that, so yeah. uh, definitely worth listening to. But uh, do you know who the other band members are? Or are those the two the two most notable ones? The lead singer was in some other band, but I didn't know who they were, <laughs> so uh, not worth mentioning really. But, fair, fair. But Augustana, I really liked them for a while, and, and so did, and I got my wife into them, and, and uh, actually proposed to my wife on stage at their concert. So, so special meaning in your heart, absolutely oh, special band for you. But uh, I so I gave it a that. shot, right? And it sure. Was... Well, I'd say listen to him. I, I like I said, it's not um, it's not something I see myself listening to, but easily ten years ago, I could be like, yeah, this is a good band. It's something that I would definitely dig and uh, and take a look at. So if you're uh, you know if you're looking for for kind of a new it's hard to liken their sound to anything. How would you describe them? I was trying to think of, you know, flavor almost. I, I, no, it, it's not really like it, but they the, got the feel taking back Sunday a little <laughs> bit. No, not really. Can, you can't say that No, at all? not really. Well, okay, what's your, what's your uh, favorite? Who would I equate them to? Um, I feel like it's it's like a post-pop punk band. So it's it has certainly the influences and the roots from, from the pop punk era where there was drive through records with a bunch of really popular kind of uh really upbeat sounding easy guitar riffs and and very uh simple kind of almost like binder paper lyrics and i feel like uh i feel like i could liken them to that kind of post um drive-through craze so great drive-through being long gone now um all the bands inside of them now having been all those guys are in their late 30s and they're all broken up and they've all moved on uh but this this sound kind of harkens back to that for me so I would say that it's 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 kind of it's popish, uh, rock and roll, um, I w- and and it certainly has some emo influences in it as well. So it's definitely, like I said, it's definitely worth listening to. Give it a listen, for sure. Bad things. Totally. All right, so now we're going to move on to uh, SF Sketch Fest, which uh, is a big. Uh, two-week festival that was in the Bay Area in San Francisco. All over where, San Francisco, yeah. Where they had uh, uh, hundreds of comedians uh, right. stop by. And and dozens of venues just everywhere. And yeah. going nonstop, too. It's, I think what it was so what they were so excited about that it was, it was like almost 24 hours a day somewhere in the city there was something happening with Sketchfest. There was a lot going on and a lot of names that we can go on for a long time about but the two shows that I went to and you went to one of them <laughs> Were Napoleon Dynamite's tenth anniversary? That's the showing. one. That's the one I really wanted to go to. I know you were. You were really bummed that so you bad. 
so bad. Uh-huh. And then, but you, you had to settle for Tenacious D. I settled. So. I settled. I did. I, you know, I said, uh, God, can you just, can you get me into the Napoleon Dynamite show? And Steve said, hell no, man. You're going to have to go to Tenacious D. And uh, with a sullen look on my face, I, I sat down in my chair and folded my arms, stuck out my lower lip and pouted until Tenacious D took the stage and rocked my face off. And, uh... Well, we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that in a minute. Let's sure, start sure. with Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, yeah. Since- so I stood outside freezing my ass off with my wife uh, and a, a good friends of ours. Uh, we would, waited in line. We were on the other side of the building. It was Everything was fine. It was a little chilly, but it wasn't too bad. We walked around front to meet up with Steve to get tickets to get into the, to the Tenacious D show, which was right after. We saw him at the Castro Theater in San Francisco. The Tenacious D show. What time did uh, Napoleon Dynamite start? That started at 7. 7. So the Tenacious D show, doors didn't open until 9. And they didn't end up actually letting us in until about 9.45, 9.50. So we had been standing out front waiting for Steve to come out for will call to, to hand us our tickets to get into the concert. And uh, it got really cold really fast. So I was calling Steve and texting Steve. And the, what I didn't understand, and I'm, I'm going to break your balls about this, what I didn't understand was it's Napoleon Dynamite, right? We can acknowledge that it's, it is a C-minus level film that neither of us really loved. I mean, it was I, watched, I saw it in theaters, and I, was, I thought it was cutesy for what it was. I thought it was a good indie film. I was like, these guys did a good job making this unique brand of film. And then, I swear to God, within 30 days, I could not get away from it. It was everywhere. It was All you heard was, vote for Pedro... Let me get some of your tots. Uh, your dad goes to college. Your mom goes to college. Um, what else? Do chickens have large? Do chickens talons? have large talons? <laughs> you know, that's they're throwing that one. Throwing that one up for you, Carly. That was a reference back to the old, uh, the old Brent, uh, Wood, Wood, Millbury. Millbury. I almost said Brentwood. The old Millbury days. So, in any case, I felt like this this really quirky movie that should it should have just kind of been a cult classic became this super popular phenomenon with our generation and it was obnoxious i mean it really was it was for what they did yeah it was good but it was something that was un, it was unwarranted the amount of praise and attention this film got and uh, it drove me crazy the uncle rico character was kind of a creeper uh and i just didn't get it i didn't connect with it the same way that some people did so when i heard they were doing a 10-year anniversary and steve said i got his tickets we should go i said hell no because I don't, I don't give a shit. I, I couldn't possibly sit through that movie again. I really couldn't. I don't think I'll ever see the film again. I've saw it. Uh, the last time I saw it was eight years ago, nine years ago, and I was done. And I think that's good. I've, that's like it's like eating a whole damn pie and never wanting to eat that type of pie again. It's it was too much. I had a lemon meringue. The smell of lemon meringue wants me, makes me want to vomit. It's the same thing with Napoleon Dynamite. And it's not something that I would. You know, actively like seek out on a you know normal day or anything, but it I happened to be at the same place. And right. It was something you know. Okay, I'll check it out. Yeah, if it's I'm free, it's and, free. Sure. And and, uh, and so I mean, it's like uh, like in this weekend, I'm taking my daughter to see uh, Frozen, the sing along version. So Ooh. it's something about getting with uh, people, you know, being with people who really have this common interest and really like this movie right. and kind of can laugh, you know, more than you would normally laugh in a movie. So I've been, to, I've been to, and, to cult classic films in big theaters before where there's a screening of something that everybody loves. You know, I went to the, the Star Wars premieres when I was a kid when they reared those on the big screen. And uh, I went to, uh, I went to see Army of Darkness once upon a time in a theater with a group of people. Uh, it's kind of like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. You go to one of these concerts or, or movies, excuse me. Concerts are actually kind of the same way. But you go to one of these movies and it, it has a huge cult following. Everyone there laughs at the same loud. They laugh the loudest at the joke that they knew was coming that they already know. And sometimes, don't get me wrong, uh, there are films that I love that I could I could go see on the big screen, and I'm sure I'd, I'd do that too. 
But a film like Napoleon Dynamite just never it doesn't it, in my opinion it doesn't earn that kind of attention it doesn't that kind of praise is something that should be reserved for for really good films so i um i was i ostracized you for it i said hell no i'm not doing it and uh, i paid the price i stood out front and froze so i guess you had the last laugh in this case and so they they had a couple of special things with the screening it wasn't just a showing of the movie they were supposed to have uh, Napoleon, Uncle Rico, and Pedro all there um, after right. the show as well. All the famous, most famous. What's what are the names of the actors who played Pedro or Uncle Rico? That's right. Nobody else knows either. Yeah, uh, they they didn't show up though. They uh, they bailed. And they bailed. They had bigger plays. You know, they had a lot to do. They're big popular guys. They're film stars. Okay. And so John Heater was uh, showed up, but before that um, was uh, they had a surprise performance at the end of the song, going into the credits. At the end of the movie, going into the credits, they right. play a song by One in Rome called Promise. I promise you. I, I promise think. you. Uh, and uh, and so the lead singer of One in Rome uh, came out and uh, sang to uh, backing music. Uh, <laughs> My favorite part. That, that couldn't, couldn't wrangle the band up for that one. Nobody in One in Rome was down. But uh, the guy's been bald since 1985. Still bald. Still wears a suit. Uh, st- same shtick. And uh, no band though. He just played. They just played the track and then he sang over it. I thought that was pretty great. I think we're going to listen to that now, aren't we? We'll listen to about 30 seconds of that right now. All right. tell you something there's nothing nothing that brings a tear to my eye other than uh, a washed up act from 30 years ago reprising his only hit and they were one hit wonders there's no disputing that and uh, this movie was really a godsend for that guy that guy was probably like in his bathrobe uh, you know sitting on the couch uh, wearing his his underwear uh, eating Captain Crunch and in his in his studio apartment in North Hollywood and uh, he heard he got the call that said we want to like we want to use this song. Tenth anniversary? Yes, I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. I'm back, baby. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he the I, band. No, can't get the band back together. No, but he probably drowned in pussy after that show. Let me tell you, he got out. Nobody else was there but him, so he got all the groupies, and he yeah. probably slayed it. I'm John Heater's I'm, married and has kids, so right. Well, John Heater didn't wasn't interested anyway. Right. I, mean, I think he's gay, right? I think the, the married and kids thing is <laughs> just a facade. I think it's a facade. I think I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I think I think that uh, I think that the one in Rome act uh, really killed it. I think it really tied the show together. I really that's why I would have gone. Actually, I would have gone to see the musical performance of that would have drawn you in. I think they were the marquee, wasn't it? It was no. the one in Rome with Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> I think it was they the were the show. headliner. They were the headliner. They were they came back out. They actually uh, closed for Tenacious D also. <laughs> so we got to see him twice. But yeah, he uh, he crushed it. He absolutely crushed it. That was that was good. I'm glad you shared that with us. So. Uh, but segueing into the meat, this is the meat of the show. This is, as Joan says, getting to the, the big part of the show. Uh, this is the part that matters. Tenacious D. Um, you did an interview with Kyle Gass. How long ago was that? Uh, 2005. 2005. So back when Kyle was probably 10 pounds lighter, um, had 15 more hairs on his head, uh, and was but was rocking just as hard. 
and uh, it was it was before or after the pick of destiny. It was after. It was right. Be- it was actually before. It, really, they hadn't announced uh, the pick of destiny, and you'll actually get to hear a little. So bit. they had only had their first he, studio album. He, yeah, exactly. They were because I, in the interview, and you'll get to hear this. I asked him if they were going to uh, do another album, um, and he gave Contra Pipeline a little bit of a scoop about the the movie. So, uh, so we're, we're going to play. We're going to play seven nine year old scoop at this point. Seven, Jesus. <laughs> Time flies. We're going to play a nine-year-old scoop for all of you right now in this uh, interview with Kyle Gass from Tenacious D. Steve Jones from Concert Pipeline, and I'm here with Kyle Gass, a.k.a. Clip Calhoun from Trainwreck. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Steve. I'm doing very good. Now, you guys, you guys, you especially are, are known for uh, putting on a really amazing show. You're well, the, thank you. You're definitely one of the most hilarious people I've seen, you know. Well, that is very kind of you. You know, just trying to do what I do and give it to the peeps. Uh, uh, where did you get started in music? How, how long have you been uh, playing the guitar? How long have you been creating music? The music thing kind of came out of uh, playing music in theater groups and, and stuff like that. And then uh, met up with Jack uh, in a theater group, the Actors Gang. And uh, he's kind of kooky, crazy, talented guy who, who had a great voice. And I thought, well... You're funny, I'm funny. <laughs> you like the rock, I like the rock. We have nothing in common. We have nothing Stay in common. <clears throat> uh, I'm older than he was, so uh, it was a little awkward. I mean, it was uh, it was sexual at first, but then it you know became no. Uh, but it, yeah, so it sort of started there, and and uh, and just kind of you know sort of happened that way. How did you get signed to Sony with with Tenacious D and then in later? Well, we asked them. Please. <laughs> uh, please well, we were we were actually playing around. You know, we thought we'd we'd be within like an indie label and thought maybe kind of do it yourself because we sort of had a nice following going and thought well maybe that's the best way to go. But then we sort of decided if we want to become international uh, sensations, then we'd have to maybe sacrifice some of the profits and stuff and. Uh, but the uh, and go with a big label because they're, you know, if nothing else, even though they're big evil corporations, they're good at promoting, yeah. 
they're good at distributing and, and uh, indeed Sony has been able to get uh, get it out around the world and stuff which is which is fun what was your first concert oh man uh, heart and uh, what's the guy Robert Palmer opened <laughs> at the Concord Pavilion oh, wow. <laughs> way back when it was just a little kind of runty place yeah. but uh, I thought uh, Nancy Wilson was hot. I love the, her playing, and uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. now, now you're from the Bay Area here. Um, yes, I am. Yeah. Walnut Creek. Walnut Creek. WC and his out. Walnut Creek. What's Yo, <laughs> wait a minute. Is that Yo. what they? Is that what they do in Walnut Creek? I no, but I'm trying to get it started. <laughs> Walnut Creek and yeah. his out. I haven't lived there in a while, so maybe that. Uh, yeah. But when I lived there, it wasn't the bourgeois, um, grody uh, banking capital. It was more kind of like, you know, just a creek and, yeah. and some white kids. Some white kids we, call it, we call it white man's paradise because uh, I don't know why. It's just a, a lily white out there, yeah. out in the suburbs. So yeah. How does it feel to come back and, you know, play your home area, you know, of San Francisco after, you know? Well, quite frankly, I think I've been in L.A. longer than I was in Walnut Creek. So, but I'll tell you what was weird was the other day um, in Sacramento. I just in the Sacramento Gehetto. I'm just walking down the street, back to my hotel. I mean, like nine in the morning, just going out for like my morning constitution. A guy pulls up. Hey, Kyle Gas, Mark Roberts, Los Lomas High School. Oh, wow. Swear to God, it was so random that it almost seemed like it couldn't be random. I mean, Sacramento. I go there once every three years, and it was this guy I went to high school with, Mark Roberts, and uh, it was just the strangest thing, but hadn't seen him in a lot of years, a lot of years. Uh, now, do you see another Tenacious D album on the horizon? Or? Yes, well, interesting you should ask me that, Steve, because uh, right now we're going into the studio uh, to record a soundtrack album for the Tenacious D motion picture, which we're starting principal photography uh, middle of May. You've got a scoop. You've got a scoop, Concert Pipeline. You've got a scoop. So the Tenacious D motion picture, what's, what's involved in that? Is it a lot of live stuff? Well, if I was going to tell you, I'd have to kill you. I'll take, I'll take the death. No, it's... Uh... Let our viewers know. I'll, I'll, I'll lay there. That's a fan. Uh, you know what, it's just a straight sort of narrative. It's like the story of the D uh, from Jack as a child and then uh, moving out to L.A. and meeting me and then we, uh, you know, how we formed. And then we go on a quest to find a magical pick, the pick of destiny. The pick of destiny. And in fact, it's called Tenacious D in the pick of destiny. And uh, it's going to be... It's going to be the funniest picture, film, movie, flick that you've ever seen. You know, do all that. You'll be sick of us before it's all over. You'll be saying, you know what, I don't miss you anymore. That'll take some work for a lot of viewers. I, I, know, uh, I know a lot of people who are pretty big Tenacious D fans and can't watch a four-hour DVD. And <laughs> Does anyone watch it all the way through? I've, I've watched it several times. All the way through, just sat down, you know. <laughs> That's madness. That is madness. What's your favorite part? My favorite part, I'd say the, the live footage. I love, I love the live footage. You like and the live footage? Yeah. Some of the some of the skits are really good. You know, mm -hmm. um, the uh, 
the the ones in the parking garage and mm, yeah. And, now, did you see those were just part of a live show, you know? They're part of a live show. Huh? Yeah, we um, we um, uh, yeah, it was part of a sketch. It's funny to put those on there. I think people they weren't really sort of meant to stand on their own. Yeah. We'd like sort of do a little scene and then we'd leave the stage and then you know all a blue man group sort of thing. But uh, I'm glad you like the Wonder Boy on Conan. Classic. Classic. The Wonder Boy on Conan. Was that when we were in costume? Yes, yes, with Max Weinberg and Becky. Ah, yeah, that was fun. I like the uh, Mad TV. Mad TV, yeah. Because we got, that was like the first, like one of the few times we played with the, the actual studio band. Yeah. So that was fun. Whenever you get to play with David Grohl, it's always, always a treat. Well, I'm Steve Jones from Concert Pipeline here with Kyle Gass. All right, so uh, that was a, that was a fun little interview from uh, from a long time ago when you scooped the pick of Destiny as it was coming, um, which I think that you know went on to be a total total critical flop and a box office flop. Wasn't what he predicted per se. Right, he said it was going to be the funniest film ever, but it wasn't, and uh, it was funny. I liked it. I liked the pick of Destiny. I liked the album a lot more. The music was great for the movie. The movie itself was a little bit of a like. It was a little bit of a refried stoner comedy, you know, nothing new to see there, uh, but still a lot of fun. You can't you can't hate on Jack Black when he's good. He's great, and he was good in that movie, which means he was great. Would and, the album have done better without the movie? Uh, I don't think so. I actually think that I think that the movie and the album were kind of separate entities, despite the fact that they shared the same name, uh, because the movie was clearly a stoner comedy. Uh, and the the while I think the album is also similarly in that vein, it it appeals to a much wider audience. So I think that the the movie was probably, um, I know it was less popular than the album, uh, and I think that the album was more popular than the movie because it's it's just a better piece of art. Uh, they can't Kyle Jack Black can act, Kyle Gass not so much. He's entertaining, but he's not a good actor, and as a result, it's not exactly a good film. It's kind of hard to watch. I love it, and I've seen it multiple times, but I'm also uh, one of those people who loves everything Jack Black does. I mean, I've seen... The only thing I saw him in that I really didn't like, legitimately, was Gulliver's Travels, which was horrible. I mean, it was horrible. Um, and then 1 BC, which was also not good, with um, Year Michael Sarah. Yeah. Year 1, thank you, mm-hmm. yeah, with uh, Michael Sarah. Not a good movie. Um, but it, it, he's, still, he's still Jack Black. He's, he he's still great, so uh, can't hate on that. Been a fan since, uh, God, forever ago. Forever ago, uh, High Fidelity, I think, was was probably the first movie I saw him in, and I was like, "This guy's hilarious." Um, and then, you know, Tenacious D came along. His their first album came out when I was a senior in high school, so you had just graduated, and uh, they had, you know, obviously a few a few really awesome songs that kind of caught my ear and and made me turn my head and say, "What what's going on over here?" So. I became a, a follower at that point, so it was uh, it was really fun. They went into the they started out with a Q and A. Um, it was hosted by Paul F. Tompkins, uh, as you remembered, um, because I couldn't remember the guy's name. But they were really funny. He came out and did a little stand up bit before they went into the Q and A. Uh, the gentleman came out. I remember when when it first started, they played a montage video montage of clips from the movie, and then Paul F. Tompkins came out and started doing stand up, and I was shaking my head because I was like. Holy shit! If they're not going to actually, if these guys aren't here, and it's a tribute to Tenacious D, but there's no Tenacious D here, I'm going to freak out. This, I'm going to walk out of here. I would, I would have been like, this is bullshit, and I would have stormed out. But uh, all, all of my, my fears were laid to rest when uh, Kyle Gass and uh, Jack Black took the stage, came out, grabbed a couple of microphones, and uh, they did this, this back and forth with uh, Pop Tom because it was really good. Because that guy's, 
good at riffing. He was really good with the crowd. And he had some history with them, too. He was yeah. on their uh, HBO specials, in, uh, introducing them for that, and um, in, in the movie, I believe, as well. So Right, right. So, so someone who knew their, was very familiar with their work and was right. a good interviewer. Their, uh, their first set, they talked about you know their origins and their first set at the, uh, the Actors Gang Theater. Um, and how it was, uh, they played the, the greatest song was the only original song they played and they played a bunch of covers, which actually led me to ask, I, it asked, I asked them a question, which we'll play for you in a minute. Um, and they kind of glazed over it with comedy instead of actually answering it. But you know, that's what comedians do. Uh, so, so going into, uh, going into that, that was fun. How they talked about the, uh, the, the origins and, and how they initially hooked up as friends and started playing music and then decided to do this tenacious D thing. And, um, they had a they had a show where they opened for Tool uh, that was a total disaster because if anybody you know listening knows about Tool and their audience they're kind of like the Nine Inch Nails in so much that their their fans are hardcore they're there to see they're there to see Maynard kick ass they're there to see to just you know they're there to rock and uh, Tenacious D is not they're there to rock also but a different fun kind of lighthearted rock different audience yeah totally different audience so it was kind of that's a, a weird mix uh, that they ended up doing doing that together but then they told a funny story about their worst worst concert they ever played which was uh they the mg mgd did a, did a series called um, blind date that was really really they, they had a huge marketing campaign behind it. you couldn't turn on the tv without seeing a commercial that was pumping the next blind date tour at your city so it was uh they did one that was the, the most popular one i want to say was the jay-z lincoln park uh, show where they did uh, a live album that then went on to spawn. I mean, just an insane amount of fanfare, and it's it's still a great it's a great album. Um, and uh, they did they did that, and they they had a hit, so they decided to then book subsequent acts. One of the acts that they booked was Tenacious D. So when these drunk guys, all these people get flown out to Vegas for uh, for bottle cap collections, so like the, the drunkest drunks fly out to the show. And then they get them loaded on MGD, and then they bring out the, the act. And their obligation was to play 35 minutes. And Kyle and and Jack Black took the stage and started counting down the minutes. Counting down the minutes, started playing and said, "We got to get through this because we got to get paid. We're gonna we're gonna play our act, but we're not gonna do anymore." Yeah, it's it was the hardest 35 minutes they ever played. And as soon as they hit 35 minutes, they were out of there. They got off the stage. So that was a really fun story too. Uh, you know, obviously retold by me here, but not. As well as Jack Black himself, um, uh, yeah. So it was fun. The Q and A was good. It was a lot of fun. So then they they threw out questions for the audience, and my hand shot up first thing, even though I didn't really have a question. Uh, but I kind of formed one in my head, which was, uh, well, which we'll, we'll play. Well, yeah, we'll play for you now. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, big big fan of the D. Uh, wanted to know what songs did you guys like to cover back when you first started? Oh, we did uh, Heaven on Their Minds by Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> we did uh, we did the theme song to uh, Fat Albert. <laughs> we did uh, what's the Marshall Will and Holly? What's the one? Uh, Land of the Lost. Just covered Land of the Lost. Before the Will Ferrell movie, thank you. Jesus. We still do uh, once in a while, Tommy. We used to have an amazing. Uh, Trademark a cowbell sketch. <laughs> well, in fairness, though, it wasn't much of a sketch. I just thought cowbells were really funny. 
and it turned out I was but you were right. you were right. <laughs> <laughs> the best member of the Conan group though? I was just waiting to be plucked though. I was just fucking sick. When uh, remember when Andy jumped in front of Conan for the took a bullet? Yes, Andy Richter took a bullet for Conan at one point. But that also was just yeah, sort of sitting yeah. there in the ether. Yeah. People taking bullets for people. It was just yeah. like, it was slow motion bullet taking. It was the timer. Yeah. It was very 90s. <laughs> Did you see that that uh, that fucking movie? What was it? At close range? Was that at close range? That was that. That what that was called? Was Sean Penn? No, not at close range. What is the one with fucking John Malkovich with the plastic gun? Oh, oh. where he's the the. Oh. He's hiding oh. the money fire. Fucking love John Malkovich. He's the oh, best. Late eighties, early nineties, Malkovich was best. Malks, dangerous plié. Do a whole album about so you got a song, you got a, a question answered by Tenacious D. I did, it? which was great. I won't, I won't deny that it felt really good. I, um, you kind of, it's a surreal experience getting in front of a crowd that big and asking a question and not wanting to fuck up. So the focus is like, keep your voice even. Don't, don't let it uh, wobble. Don't sound nervous, and just shoot from the hip. So. I think I said something like, uh, you know, as you just heard, I'm a big, big fan, big, 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 so, um, so that was that was fun, and uh, we're going to launch into uh, what they opened the show with. Uh, it's their, it's arguably their most famous song, uh, and the best song. I would say it's the greatest uh, song in the world. Tri- it's a tribute. Tribute. The greatest song. Tribute. Uh, so we'll hear that now. Say, 
the you angels, and we said nay. We are the nay one of the best the best Tenacious D songs one of my favorites uh, it's a great song anybody who knows it if you're hanging out with a group of people and anyone who knows it starts singing it everyone rocks out it's a good karaoke song too so you know Tenacious D um, their roots they talk about it in, in their Q&A session they talked about how their roots were back to 1994 in North Hollywood uh, and they played together for a long time before they actually released their first album uh, just simply titled Tenacious D in 2001 uh, it actually went uh, platinum in the U.S. Double Platinum in the UK and Gold in Australia. Uh, it hit 33 on the rock charts in the US too. So it was um, it was a very popular album. Certainly uh, popular with our generation and uh, we were the target demographic I'd say. Um, they went on to release uh, The Pick of Destiny five years later in uh, 2006 uh, which uh, went gold in the US, uh, Platinum in Ireland and Gold in the UK. Uh, went to actually number eight on the charts. So it went higher on the charts but didn't sell as many copies. But um, uh, it had some great hits on it too. Uh, definitely, I would say, a, a, a more fun album than the first one. The first one was clearly jokes. They had skits, you know, lots of jokes. The second album, lots of skits and jokes as well. Uh, and then we came to Rise of the Phoenix in 2012. It was fun to hear Tenacious D get back together. I think everybody was really excited for this album. But in terms of uh, just creative energy and and uh, the, the kind of stuff that they wrote, there were a couple of good songs on there. Um, you know, I like uh, uh, Rage Cage. The song's fun. Um but there were, and Rise of the Phoenix, which was a cool kind of rock anthem. But there weren't 
that many great songs on it. It wasn't that good of an album. So, and it didn't even sell uh, a million copies here in the U.S. It didn't even go gold, which is what five hundred thousand. I think so. so. Half half a million. So yeah, it didn't. It really didn't sell too well. Interestingly enough, though, went to number four on the rock music charts. So I'm not sure if that's just because it was watered down, or if it's because maybe with the advent of digital uh, downloads, you know, we saw an 11 year gap there between the time that they went platinum and the time that they didn't. Um, but uh, you know, it's certainly a, a good body of work. Three solid albums. All three studio albums were a lot of fun. Uh, they had a couple of EPs from back in the day that I don't think anybody really paid any attention to, so they're not really notable. Um, and then four overall uh, uh, singles on the rock charts that went all the way up. Uh, two full video albums um, with uh, with The Pick of Destiny and Rise of the Phoenix. Um, 11 different music videos over the course of their career, all of which are a lot of fun. A, a couple of which are actually just straight the montage clips out of The Pick of Destiny. They're pretty bad. Um, but they've done... Uh, They've done so many live shows, and and what's great about Tenacious D is that they always give back to the fans. They're uh, you know they're there for the for the fans. They really are. They've always made themselves very accessible. Uh, they throw picks out every show. You know they're they're throwing picks out, having a good time, uh, jawing it up with people. At the end of the show, uh, we we got to see uh, kind of a funny little little act where um, you know the uh, they they had these three gals who came up and crowded around them while they were they were singing there. They're on their way out, um, and we'll tell you that story when we come back from uh, from listening to the rest of the show. So enjoy, uh, enjoy. The... This is low hanging fruit off of Rise of uh, uh, Rise of the Phoenix. There you go, low hanging fruit off Rise of the Phoenix. Nice. I don't want to make up for it with a lot of walking today, and I walked like three hours of straight walking. And I couldn't help but notice this is a gorgeous town, San Francisco, man. It's one of the most beautiful towns. <laughs> Good-looking crowd. Maybe a little too good-looking. Got a man dancing. Me and Cage are hungry. We're hungry for some freak. We want to do the goddamn.
right, that was really good. That was really fun. Uh, this next song up is um, a, a combination song of uh, one of their classics, Double Team and uh, War Pigs uh, from uh, from Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath. Yeah. Right? I was there for a second. <laughs> you said Black Sabbath. There no, it, was, it was really cool. Uh, it was right before they went, uh, did their encore, and uh, and it was a really good song, so we chose this one to come up next to this. <laughs> Six, me and KG, and you talk double G, to be 
want to thank uh, Johnny Spike, Rodian for so much more. Thank uh, Toba Rony in the house, say yeah, yeah. Yeah. My good old buddy Toba Rony. Cage, am I forgetting anybody? My brother. Your brother. Mitchell Gas in the house. Oh, there's somebody else. But on the girls, no one. And on the bass, no one. And on the keys, no one. And on the bass, no one. You thought it was a really good show. You great had, show. You had great the time show. Of your life. I did. I had the time of my life. I uh, I wouldn't trade it for the for all the tea in China. It was it was a lot of fun. Had a good time. Um, you know the best thing about Tenacious D, I'd say, is that uh, is that they come to perform. You know they didn't phone it in at all. They didn't bring the band. It was just the two of them with an acoustic set. 
to to a full a theater packed with adoring fans. I mean, really, just I think everybody there was a Tenacious D fan, legitimately, and uh, and they they brought it a hundred percent. Jack Black's voice is truly uh, truly gold. Um, that was your first time seeing Tenacious D, right? It was my first time seeing Tenacious D live. That's right. So it had been uh, it had been a long time coming in that respect. So I remember I was actually um, I was supposed to go see them my senior year of high school uh, and ended up not going and regretted it because it, the, at that time I didn't think that they were ever going to come back. I really thought it was kind of maybe a one trick pony, so to speak. Uh, but they kept rocking. They've been rocking together now for almost twenty years and um, still rocking today. So uh, I, I highly recommend if you have the opportunity to go see Tenacious D live. They bring it a thousand percent. They do a great job, um, and they they really are there for the fans. So I think you can can put it in a a stamp of approval on this one. Steve Jones, a stamp of approval. Definitely, I've seen him two other times. Once on this last tour, and the first time was down in L.A. Uh, at a Jimmy uh, Kimmel live taping. Jimmy Kimmel. Um, and so that that was actually really cool. They did an interview, and we got to sit front row for that. Um, and then we were at the front of the crowd for the, uh, for the performance, and they performed three songs at, at that time, and that was back in you know right after the album came out, probably. So right, yeah. At the end of the show, he, uh, he they had these 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 floozies come up and start pawing at them. One of them straight grabbed Jack Black's wiener uh, while he was on stage, and he he took it in stride. It didn't stop yeah. him. He kept singing. Didn't lose his cool. Didn't lose his cool. I mean, I think I would have thrown a knee. I would have been like, get off of me. I would have yeah. been like, okay, you ruined it. Show's over, and uh, and turned into a you know, um, uh, some kind of a tyrant kicking everyone out, but, uh, he kept it cool and he was a lot of fun about it. And, uh, he actually, he was shaking hands with people when they came up at the end, everybody kind of rushed the stage and, uh, they were reaching out and at the very end of the show, after they were done playing, they were trying to exit and they were being chased by floozies and, uh, Jones, Jones ran down there and jumped up on the stage and got a pick. Well, tried to jump on the stage and then ended up kind of crawling like uh, it looked like a baby trying to crawl out of a pool, just kind of like bleh, like dragging himself along his stomach as he pulled himself up and onto the stage. Uh, and he grabbed it. He grabbed the pick, the pick of destiny, the pick of destiny, which I'm holding in my hand right now. It says Jables on it, uh, and then it has the uh, it has a cartoon version of uh, Jack Black on the other side of it. So, um, just a really good time uh, coming at, coming at you next time for concert pipeline. We've got uh, we've got a few shows coming down the pipeline. Uh, Steve, what do we have coming up? We have uh, We Shot the Moon, which is Jonathan Jones. Uh, lead, he was the lead singer of Waking Ashland, and he went on to do We Shot the Moon. Um, I've kind of known him a little bit over the years, and they actually stayed at my place in Fresno when I lived down there, uh, the, the band did. So, um, so that's pretty cool. He has a new album coming out called The Finish Line. It's coming out February 11th. So, um, so we're going to be in studio with him uh, doing an interview as well as uh, getting him to perform some old songs as well as some new songs off the album. So it'll be uh, a really fun show uh, for that. Looking forward to that. Um, this coming week, we're going to be, Steve and I are going to be going to Santa Cruz. Uh, we're going to be interviewing and uh, seeing a show from the Toasters, which are ska legends uh, galore. They've been in the, in the ska scene for almost 30 years. Um, they've been everywhere, all over the world, a hundred times and back. Um, still with some original band members too, which is really damn impressive. Thirty-three years. Thirty-three years of ska. I mean, good lord, and still releasing albums. They just released a Christmas album a couple of years ago, um, and still producing new sounds and new music. Uh, still rocking so hard. So really looking forward to, to bringing you an interview and a show with the Toasters, and then of course our old favorites, uh, a band that's a, that's a mainstay that Steve and I interviewed once upon a time and back in two thousand five. Been on the show so many times. Been on the show so many times you lost count. Truly, uh, and and good good friends of the show here. Uh, Flogging Molly will be coming and performing uh, April. F- uh, no, excuse me, March fourteenth uh, in San Francisco. 
Um, they, they come through every year these days. They've got a big enough following to where they can kind of do a rolling tour. Green uh, 17 tour. Green 17 tour. So uh, we'll be, we'll be uh, bringing you footage, uh, excuse me, audio from that show. Uh, as well as uh, hopefully booking an interview with them as well. Uh, That's the goal. So. Steve's going to do all it's the time. It's not 100% booked yet, but, it, no, but it's like very It's in the pipeline. So, uh, the concert so, pipeline. The concert pipeline. So we're going to leave you uh, We're gonna leave you with this song uh, by Tenacious D. Uh, the song is called Friendship. We think it's appropriate since Steve and I are both reunited now uh, in, in uh, friendship on the, on the pipeline. Um, so stay tuned, and we look to hearing from you guys soon. Uh, stay uh, stay uh, subscribe to us on Twitter uh, at Concert Pipeline. Uh, also follow us on um, we have a uh, Facebook page yet. No, but you can make that. Steve's gonna make a Facebook page tonight. Um, so we're gonna have a Facebook page. We're gonna be coming at you guys uh, with lots of new content, uh, lots of new shows. Um, really looking forward to it. So uh, stay tuned in the pipeline.